I'm Luca Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. Yeah. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the back. Oh, welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member of MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined. Once again, by the official fan of the Dallas Mavericks, I feel like, Kirk Henderson. Kirk, how you doing, man? I'm good. Much like Dirk, I am a uh, a little bit of a mascot who's occasionally able to come up with some uh, some per- some solid performances now and then. I'm trying to figure out who each you know main fan is for every team, and it seems like you're the Dallas Mavericks like main fan, like the biggest fan. It feels like. I mean, we have. Uh, I think it was Don Nobler at one point, and then he had the whole Patrick Beverly situation, and now he's been he's been kicked out of the arena. So I think he got usurped by you. Does this mean I get his cool hats? I, <laughs> I can go with that. No, it's, I think it's the jackets you want. Mm. I think I'd go with jackets. <clears throat> Just the whole ensemble, I feel like. Uh, yeah, so, so Kirk was at the game the other night against the Wizards. And uh, we wanted to get his takes. Kirk has some some good takes on the Mavericks. And uh, the first one I want to ask you is something that actually that people have tweeted me. And it's funny <laughs> when people tweet me about you. Um, oh, God. Has Tim Hardaway Jr. replaced Harrison Barnes for you as the whipping boy of the Mavericks? Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. I am so delighted. Because <clears throat> unlike Harrison Barnes, who had – a series of NBA skills, but didn't always use his, his best skills. Tim Hardaway Jr. Does not have any NBA skills uh, outside of being a very good athlete, which he, he certainly is. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Is, is the most nineties basketball player I have seen in years. He can't shoot. He plays physically. He gets to the rim and he makes baffling decisions. Um, I'm, I'm. It, this is going to be a fun couple of years. And make no mistake, Mavs fans, he is on the Dallas Mavericks until his contract is done. Yeah, they they have to probably attach some stuff to him to go. And and guess what? They don't have any stuff. <laughs> they don't have anything Very to attach bare, to him. Nothing to attach. I mean, you're not going to attach Luca. You're not going to attach Porzingis. You're not going to. I mean, Jalen Brunson maybe, but you kind of want to keep Jalen Brunson around. He's He's proved to be a, a viable NBA player, and you need those yeah. with with uh, two superstars like that. So, so the Tim Hardaway experience is is a little different for me than Harrison Barnes because the Mavericks didn't necessarily choose Tim Hardaway Jr. However, they did. I don't know what the trade was before Porzingis was entered into the the picture, but the whole West Matthews for Tim Hardaway Jr. trade idea, I was never really on it. If the if the deal was to try and just get Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, and then once he was included with Harris with a uh, Chris Alps Porzingis, I was like, well, yeah, you just do it anyway, just because <laughs> if you're going to get Chris Alps Porzingis, you go for it. But if uh, if they were just trying to target Tim Hardaway Jr. because they thought that he was maybe an underappreciated asset, uh, maybe we should hold up on the Mavericks front office being like this genius front office that doesn't make any mistakes anymore. Well, I mean, he's the Chris Alps Porzingis tax, and and. I, I think next year we're going to be fine with this. His, he's not very suited as the number two player, but if things go according to how, you know, the Mavericks probably hope this summer, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be like your fifth best player. 
and that you know that's probably his best role somewhere off the bench, something like that. I mean, the challenge with Hardaway is that he's very much like an outlier performance player where he has just enough good games to make you think that he can be consistent. But And I don't have the numbers in front of me here, but I'm nearly positive that he is more than 10% better on pull-up three-pointers than he is catch-and-shoot three-pointers. I cannot tell you how hard that is to do. Like, like We're just talking like standing there versus on the move. On-the-move shots are supposed to be harder. But this guy, so far, his ability to shoot three-pointers is just not there. I mean, that was what was great about seeing the game live last night. I was in a very Mavs-heavy section, and people were visibly frustrated with him Already. during the game. Like, you could hear people yelling out, you know, not like curses, but they're like, what kind of shot is that? Because at one point in the game, he was one for six. I think he finished two of nine. And it's just it's, it's those sorts of shots where he has to connect on open looks at, a, at you know, 35% or better. Otherwise, like th- these nights where he's just bombing away and turning the ball over, it was like it was like having the next generation Wes Matthews and without the defense. And it was I don't know, it just it wasn't really for me the the, the Tim Hardaway experience live. And and you know, I, I that's okay though because you know we got uh, Porzingis out of it. So at the end of the day, I, I'm still positive this will be a good, you know, a good trade. It's just right now when we're trying to grind through these last, you know, 20 something games, 18 games, whatever's left, it's it's just going to be kind of frustrating at times. Yeah. And it's caused people like me who before, you know, I was, uh, I was a little interested in, in Tim Mardo Jr. And I thought, man, maybe he can bring just as much shooting as, you know, Wes Matthews did and then be an athlete and so that his defense isn't that bad. But watching a player game by game by game shows you just their holes, like you mentioned. And, yes, the, the athleticism is refreshing compared to Wes Matthews, but the rest of it is just not. The, the, like you said, the, the catch and shoot plus the individual defense, it's just not there. It's just not that type of player. So he really, he really is like a salary dump player, and it makes that contract that the Knicks gave him even more baffling than when it happened at the time. It just, it just becomes it, it more baffling be the- as it goes. It might be the worst contract of the last five years. It's so strange. I mean, the, the, the I mean, the, is, though, the John Wall contract is going to be pretty bad. Yeah, that's true. Chandler Parsons. Well, the the, the thing is with Hardaway, though, is that if Dallas can get to the point where his contributions are a bonus instead of a requirement, then that's going to be that's going to be better for everybody involved. You know, he played on an OK Atlanta team, and that's why his numbers looked all right that year. But even talking to, to some of the Hawks guys, you know, Brad over at, at uh, Locked on Hawks, he, he, he jokingly said, oh, yes, uh, uh, Tim Hardaway's shooting in quotation marks to me. And it's yeah, it's just one of those things that we're just going to have to live with. Yeah, it's just it's uh, like you said, it's a good way to put it. The tax for uh, we should call him tax Hardaway Jr. is what we should call him because it was the, the tax for the the uh, Porzingis trade. So I like that. He's just he's just part of the team now. And uh, man, he has the. Let's see if he picks up that player option 2021, which we assume he will. He has the uh, longest guaranteed contract except for Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. And he's the highest paid guy right yes. now. And the highest paid, but that's going to, that's going to end after this summer probably. But mm-hmm. man, it's just, it's, that's very tough to, to look forward, but Hey, it's the tax tax Hardaway jr. That's what we're going to call him. Um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Kirk is going to tell me what he thought about seeing his boy, Luka Doncic in person. All right, Kirk. So was this this was your first time seeing Luca in person? Is that right? It was. It was. Oh, and how was it? 
So it was exactly what I'd hoped for. Um, I, I wrote a piece today a little bit about the fan experience and also kind of like being right near the tunnel, uh, you know, just seeing like the throng of people that want to see him, seeing him up close and, and make no mistake. He grabbed his Sharpie and signed my, my son's Jersey. I was like within inches of him. Hey, I, what did he smell I'm, like? <laughs> <laughs> I am struck at just how young he is. I mean, I know this in my head. I know he's 20 years old. Like I, I've been, you know, I, I was pining for the guy to become a maverick like 18 months ago. Um, so it's like I, intellectually, I understood it, but it's another thing to see it. And it's, it's really just incredible that he's this good. I mean, if we go back to the start of the season, all the Maverick promotional material at the start of the year had him with that shirt on underneath his jersey like a YMCA <laughs> dad. And so I've, I've been sent pictures of my friends uh, in Dallas where you can see some of the like giant promotional material downtown where it's him with a shirt on under his jersey. Yep. And it really makes me laugh just to, to see how much he's like physically changed over the course of the year. He's still... He's still very much a, a, a young man in his body frame. Um, I think uh, it's, it's just incredible that he's this good while he looks like that. There's no definition in his arms. I mean, he's a well-built <laughs> hey, guy, same. but it's, it's – yeah, I know. He's like he's got a dad bod. He's, he's got a blogger bod, bod is what he's got. <laughs> Exactly, and but a nice haircut, which really takes away, you know, it takes your eyes distracting away from his frame. But he's he, it, that's really one of the things that just so so surprising to me because I think you know part of the conversation now is shifted away from how good is Luca to how good can he be, and mm. that's that's really my 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 main takeaway is that if he's able to change his physical profile at all. And it's going to be a thing that takes two or three years. Getting an excellent cardiovascular shape at the NBA level takes years, uh, particularly for bigger guys, because it's just something you have to work on and you have to stay on top of. If he's able to, to you know, build out some some more strength, which is already one of the things he's he, one of his best attributes, he's going to be ridiculous because he, he's just so good right now in person. The, the, the crazy shots that he takes before games and shoot around are wild. I'm, I'm just kind of in awe. And, and that's, that's kind of the, the thing that I walk away from in, after my first experience seeing him alive. Yeah, I, just did, I recently just did a Luca versus Trey Young video on, on Free Dawkins and was just thinking about Luca as more of like an overall player instead of game to game like I do on this podcast. And Luca, what he does is he creates separation. Just the, the, in every single thing that he does, he tries to, to create it with his step back, with his little floaters. He tries to, you know, to, to lull somebody in, and then he has to create it himself because physically he just doesn't have the he doesn't have the quickness. He doesn't have this the speed. He has the size in, in some matchups for sure, but he just doesn't have that advantage where a guy like like Tim Hardaway Jr. We just talked about. He has that quickness. He has that speed. That athleticism to get around guys to you know to to create that separation with with that. But when Luca is able to you know create separation both in his craftiness and with his physical tools, that's when you're he's going to hit that next level and he can turn some of these shots into you know not like these. Uh, shots where he's taken all this contact and then has to try and throw up a shot that maybe that becomes an open layup or he gets a little bit more separation that becomes you know like a running scoop shot instead of just these stop and you know get nailed and fall to the <laughs> fall to the ground kind of shots yeah I, and that's that it, it's gonna be fun to see where he takes things and and I think you know my my concerns 
are, are I've been thinking about a little bit projecting in the next season. Next year is going to be the year of the villain for Luca for a couple of reasons. One, I think the narrative is going to swing back uh, where people are sick of hearing about him. We're already seeing that a little bit with with the Trey Young talk. But I also think that he's he's not going to improve as drastically as everybody wants him to. But that's not because he's not amazing. It's just because when you're as good as he is already, these leaps are going to be incremental in ways that we're really only going to be able to see five years out from now where we can look back at his numbers and at his tape and say, oh, that was when he started to add this to his game. I mean, we can also you know, consider the fact that if the Mavericks ever got a single player who could hit an open jump shot, his numbers <laughs> might even be better. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's averaging like five or six assists, and he's averaging five or six potential assists on top of that that, that should have been but are not. Um, I think that the villain talk about Luka has already kind of happened with what you said, with, with the Trey Young stuff. I feel like there is already a section of people that are – are sick of people, um, man. There's so many ways I could put this. The sick of people that are that are obsessed with Luca, and I see it in YouTube comments, and I see it in, uh, you know, places on Twitter where there's just these that 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 Rashad Phillips guy just drives me nuts with his Yoda talk and his just dumb takes. <laughs> but there is a section of fans that respond to every single one of those tweets he makes that say, "Yes, this is completely right. Yeah, everybody's riding on Luca, and they're you know they're not looking at Trey Young, and Trey Young is better, and blah blah blah." And, I think it's already kind of happened that Luca's kind of villainized himself, and and there's all the the fatigue of, um, you know, oh, Luca's just gonna win the rookie of the year anyway, and you know, oh well, you know, it's just that's just the way that it is, and it kind of sucks that that's the way that it is, and people can't think for themselves. You know, I just feel like there's a section of people that already think that way, and I think Josh Bow has been on this where he says that uh, people got bored, and so now they they want to talk about Trey Young as, as the rookie of the year, and it's kind of true, and then they kind of also turned turned on Luca a little bit because they got bored of just his overall approval rating being as high as it is. Yep. Do you think that the, the Luca villain status is going to take another step after that? And people are going to turn on him because of his antics, or do you think it's going to be more of this? I'm bored of the, the Luca narrative of him being the wonder boy and you know, how good he is and hearing how good he is. And they're going to turn on him that way. I would say it's a combination of if the Mavericks are able to be playoff adjacent to where if they're in that, you know, 10 through six seed in the West, I think the the closer they are to being a, a very good, you know, kind of team that inspires, you know, fear and other teams, we're going to start to see more about the antics. It is incredible how often he raises his hands like, you're not going to call that in games. (laughs) And right now it's funny because the team stinks. But that sort of stuff is going to have to be something he figures out in the offseason. The way he plays, you know, just provokes contact and he gets a lot of calls. So those sorts of things are really going to lead to to that narrative. And really, I think people being frustrated with watching him, um, you know, the way teams get frustrated with James Harden. So I think those 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 are the two things that really play into it more than anything, because he's, he's going to continue to be really good. It's it's you know, it's it's just like the narrative plus the play. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a combination. The the the. Foul calls are interesting to me because he is just going to try. He, he does have sort of that entitled, like, I get a foul on every single – there was that play 
uh, in the Wizards game the other day where he was going up for like this uh, this finger roll layup and he missed like he completely airballed it and he went back and looked at the replay and he didn't get hit on the hand at all he got pushed in the back just a little bit and he freaks out on the refs for like the next minute or so even through the next defensive play he kind of let up the layup and then they call timeout or there's a stoppage of play and he went back to the refs even then and that kind of stuff that stuff is going to get on the fans like eventually eventually fans are just going to be fed up with that and have the the take of well you need to get back on defense and actually yes. you know try and not be be, be calling for for fouls all the time so he's going to he's going to file into that James Harden LeBron James kind of vein but it's it's part of the game i mean it's part of part of what these guys do is they they work the refs and he's at the top of the league i think he's top 10 in free throws taken per game so it's working for him I certainly enjoyed watching it last night, the parade through the line. I can't remember how many shot I and mean, how many he shot, but I feel like there was at least six in the second half because, uh, you know, I'm sitting there with my son and like the play keeps stopping and they're at the far end of the court and he wants to know why it got quiet. <laughs> so it's like these sorts of, these sorts of things are going to be really, you know, helpful to Dallas as they go forward, just because like the march to the free throw line is really why they were, why they were one of the low key reasons why Matt, why Dallas was so good through the early part of December. How old? You know, he took nine free throws. By the way, last night he had seven of nine, which is which is. Good. Um, how old is your son? Uh, he turns three the um, uh, March eighth, which I assume is the day this is going to come out. So that's it's kind true. Of a, kind of an early. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't really call it a birthday present because he was he was like he was super pumped for like half the game, and then the other half the game, uh, we we got out a phone and he watched uh, Daniel Tiger and Paw Patrol because he was over the game. So. <laughs> Hey, as three-year-olds do. Uh, so he already got to meet Luca at, already at this young age. That's a uh, that's pretty wild. Does yeah. How did did he have any response to Luca at all, or was it just like this? I is mean, he a was person. It was. So in the piece that I wrote today, I kind of touched on this, but I didn't want to be too horrible. It was like <laughs> what I imagine. Be meeting Justin Timberlake was like in the 1990s at a mall or something like the, it was a throng of people Dirk had come by five minutes earlier and everybody's there's still a ton of people but everybody's really respectful and Dirk just kind of walked like moved his way through a crowd like a presidential candidate it was actually really impressive and Luca was like the rock star so like people are pressing into us and I had like front like i wasn't in the front front row but i was in the the front row on next to the tunnel so like people are pressing up against us it was really kind of wild so by the time luca got over to us my son was just like done with it um <laughs> the the funny thing that had happened earlier was actually like like ryan broke off was really excited that's that uh somebody, somebody like, knew, knew spoke who he was. to him specifically yeah. <laughs> like he and so he like stopped and like took my wife's phone and took a picture with us and was like trying to like he's like, Do you want me to hold him? And I was like, Well, and then like my son like creeped onto me for, for dear life, but it was super <laughs> nice of him and he was like, Wait, like, he asked he to hold your son? I think like it was a wild minute and a half. He was like, Oh, do you want me to hold him and gr- get a picture? It was great. I got I have some on my Instagram. He was really nice. Um, do you want me to shoot was... him from, from deep? Like do you want me <laughs> <laughs> It was it was oh, it was man. just like because I mean, I was—I told Parker, I was like, Ryan Brokoff's gonna be a dad soon too, and and it was—I don't know—it was—it was very entertaining for for the the period of time. I was really like, I, I you know, it was money that I shouldn't have spent on seats like that, but it, like I'm also probably never gonna be that close to a game again, so why not? Oh, and when possibly the last time you'll ever see Dirk. That's right. 
Man, how did that feel? Possibly the last time, probably the last time you're going to see Dirk. Yeah, I mean, it's it's odd. I, I've been credentialed media before, but like I realized it wasn't for me when I went into the locker room and didn't want to actually ask anything because I was afraid. And so like I'd been <laughs> up close and personal before, but that was just, it was cool. It was a cool environment. I mean, it was rough. Like that was one of his worst games since the All-Star break. He just wasn't moving very well. Um, I'm wondering if his ankle is bothering him because one rebound came to him that he couldn't even move laterally for. But, you know, overall, it was great. It was German Heritage Night at the game. So there were tons of German fans. They're all wearing Mavs stuff. At one point of the game, they actually showed the ambassador from Germany up on the t- uh, uh, up on the uh, the big screen. And, like, she got, like, red-faced and was, like, smiling because there's all these people <laughs> cheering for her. It was, just, it was, an, it was a, a, an interesting evening between, like, all the Slovenian fans and the, the Dirk fans in the area, like, it felt like they outnumbered the Wizards fans. Well, as as uh, fans of other things do, <laughs> outnumber Wizards fans. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's take another break, and when we come back, we'll talk about one of the best three point shooters in the league right now, and uh, the Mavs off season going forward. All right, Kirk. So by now, you've definitely seen and heard what Derek Harper said on the broadcast last night. <laughs> Made me laugh I mean, it was, so hard. It was magnificent. <laughs> and I played it on the podcast yesterday, so if you guys want to go back and listen to it, or just look on my Twitter, uh, it's it's probably a fireable offense that he said that Dwight Powell has become is, is he didn't say has become or is becoming. He said Dwight Powell is one of the better three point shooters in this league. I mean, I, I Dwight Powell three point shooting has been what, like my my statistical amusing thing of this year. Because at one point in the year, he was something like 11 for 61 and was still shooting threes. And since then is something like 20 for 40. Like he's just a flamethrower. But, you know, you look at the guy's career stats. He is, I don't think he's, like he might be 30% for his career. He's not very, very good at shooting threes. And this, you know, what, what makes it so interesting is I've seen him in practice. I've seen him in summer league. He has a good shot. The ball just doesn't go down. That's really funny that Harp like said that. I mean, we all like this has just been kind of the season of Harp saying things like I'm trying to not be annoyed with it because I'm remembering what is what is Harp there for? Harp's there to to provide color commentary, to provide us some player insights. And if he gets some of the facts wrong, that's fine, because it's not like he's out there saying that every game. Anybody that watches knows that Powell's not a good three-point shooter for his career. He's on a tear right now, but it's just it's one of these things where all you can really do is chuckle. Um, so he, he's taking it over the last, I don't know, what, like like 15 games or so that he's shooting over like 47%, something crazy like that. He's shooting 40%. Uh, by the way, he's shooting 29.9% from three for his career. So that was a... Uh, as close as you possibly could get with that guess. <laughs> yep. But but pal also I did the, I tweeted this stat last night. He he shoots 23.3% from 3 from October to December and 37% from 3 from January to April. It's just this That's weird, really weird. It's this weird thing where he kind of like leans into the season and eventually he just he becomes the good three-point shooter. And maybe it's just because over the last half of all those seasons that he's been in Dallas, and he didn't really take many in, in Boston, uh, that he is just able to take more <laughs> because they've, they've just been losing. They've been so bad that he, they're just allowing him to take more shots like that. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of it because, like, this is the time of year where we're looking at these players and trying to figure out where they fit in the bigger picture. And I know in the Maz Moneyball Slack last night, we had guys wondering, oh, well, could he start alongside Porzingis? Yikes. And the, the answer is if they want to never rebound the basketball, maybe. <laughs> um, I, I could see it offensively. That'd be a whole lot of fun. But defensively, these guys, you know, it's I, I just don't know what to do with Powell because he, he keeps like he it's like you said, he's come on the second half of the season every year he's been in Dallas. And so what do you do with that? It's just, it's just his thing. He comes. He, he should. He should. If they can retain Maxi for a decent amount and find somebody else to start with Porzingis, the Maxi Dwight Powell combo off the bench is, is where he should fit. Um, but the question is about Dwight: Is he playing well enough right now that he's going to opt out of his contract this summer? I don't think so. Um, you know, it, it's kind of about what he should be making. I wonder if he were to opt out, if it would be to like resign with understanding of like getting a longer term deal in place with Dallas. Like that's what I could think of, but the marketplace for big man is so interesting because, you know, one of the things I've been really kind of obsessed with in thinking about next year is how do the pieces fit? What are the available pieces? How should Mavericks, you know, allocate their resources. And if you just kind of go look at, at, you know, playmakers versus big men, there are a lot of potential big men that if, if you're, you know, doing kind of salary math, are more gettable than than guard than guards and, and forwards. So I, I think with with a guy like him, he has to understand that his best value is linked to how he's playing in Dallas. I mean, do other teams run like like high screen and roll plays over and over again? Sure. Do they have passers that can find him at the rim the way that Berea and and now Luca have done? you know, uh, for this season, last season. I mean, that's what's more interesting. So, uh, you know, some sometimes guys are, are, are better than they are because of the scheme that they're in. And I think that's really how it worked out with Powell. You know, we, we saw with guys before Powell, too. So so like like Brandon Wright, for example. So that's kind of where my head is with that. I, I, I'd be interested to see either way, but I feel pretty confident he's going to be a Maverick next year. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, too. Whether he either does an opt-out with a wink-wink that he's going to get just a – Maybe less per year, but then a longer deal. Uh, I just don't know. But I, I feel like it's going to yep. be in Dallas. A uh, couple more questions for you. Do you think that um, Maxi and Dorian will be both back next year? And do you want them both back? I do. I do. I mean, I was – we're seeing now why I was so unsure about about uh, Dorian Finney-Smith's shot because he's just on a – he's just on a brick-laying bender as of late. But – the guy plays so hard and does so many interesting things that, like, I I would prioritize him above Maxi just because he's younger and plays in a bigger position of or uh, a more scarce position. But I do hope that that they're able to retain Maxi too because, like, having a, a off the bench rim protector is 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 a rarity. And you know, assuming they're able to keep him for a deal that makes sense to the team, that could be one of those pieces. You just you need to have these pieces on your team. These guys making you know, reasonable amounts of money who are also, good, you know, pretty good at basketball should you ever want to be a player on the trade market. So that that's kind of where my head is there. Yeah, some, some people, I mean, people just throw these random numbers. Like, could Maxi make $10 million next year? Like, no, we'd be in the same position that we are with Dwight Powell probably if he's mm-hmm. going to make that much next year. So, uh, and then 
his injuries and kind of his, you know, lack of highlights and blocks recently and, and, and the three-point shot for both of them has kind of maybe tempered their market, which is probably better for the Mavericks overall. Yeah, that's that's one of those things that's probably not very polite to discuss because, you know, I never wouldn't want somebody talking about my wallet. But at the same time, this is just part of it. And I think that's true because, you know, this was the opportunity for these these guys to, to shine. And, you know, there's there's a number of people on, you know, kind of basketball media that wondered if the Mavericks would get better, you know, addition by subtraction because they would have they'd be playing these guys that you know move the ball more and you know kind of seem to be more team players and really what's happened is the Mavericks have taken a beating because these guys who we all liked on their bench are just that they're bench players and so it, it you, you always want to have good bench guys but if if you know understanding what their actual contribution levels can be is really key that's what that's what makes like Powell so so interesting because he seems to be the only one that has really shown a little more but like you just said, he also seems to have a march like this every year. So it's like, what is, what are we really talking about? Like at the end of it, it's like Luca and some dudes. Right, right. And I was one of those people that said that, you know, are we sure that the starting lineup is going to be worse than it was before? And I don't know if the starting lineup is worse, but it obviously made the bench worse because they moved all mm-hmm. those bench players to the starting lineup. Yep. And then JJ's still out. So uh, when Dwight Powell is your second best player, that is, that is a problem. Yeah, for sure. All right, last thing for you. Have you, as the Mavericks, you know, main fan, main online presence <laughs> fan, uh, the warlock of the Mavericks, have you performed any spells or incantations for the Mavericks to keep their pick this season yet? No, because I'm less interested in the pick as I am actually sending Luca to the lottery. Uh, I, I, that's that's kind of my my thing. I, I, I it's a it's an it's, it feels like a, he's like a gambling lucky charm. You know, he took that half court shot the other night against the Nets and it went in. Well, it was a low percentage shot taken by a guy who makes low percentage shots. So why, why not send, you know, the best player, the young guy, the kind of the, the, the guy that exudes positive energy to the draft over Michael Finley over, you know, sent Marshall, like, Let's send somebody there to where if the Mavericks were to luck into it, it would be fun for everybody. Like, could you imagine the look on Luca's face if he was sitting in one of those chairs and the Mavericks drew the number one overall pick? I mean, <laughs> holy cow. That's what I talk about. Good television. That's, that's going to be it, he'll make a new meme for sure. That would absolutely uh, yeah. be a new meme. Right. And I'm here and I'm, I'm here for the memes. And and. I think that that's that's what that's kind of the closest thing I am to, to making predictions is I think if if the Mavericks do send Luca then we're winning the draft lottery. You know it's, that's like an if then statement that feels a little more complicated than than my last uh, round of BS. You know it's going to be sent Marshall though. I do. I do. It's You're absolutely right. going to be sent Marshall. He, she's become the new uh, face of the Mavericks well, business with, side. And this with is a res- business side. With respect to her, it's like trying to make fetch happen. Like I, nobody, nobody watches the lottery to see Sent Marshall. So, oh uh, well. Um, Mark Cuban probably does. But that's it. <laughs> All right. He came in. He came and took a piece of pop, Parker's popcorn last night. That was funny. He did. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Cuban came and took a piece of your son's pop. Was he upset? Did he know who Mark Cuban was? 
No, but I mean, my wife and I did. And it, like, we were like the only people within like 50 feet to not ask him for a picture. And I think he noticed that. <laughs> and so he like wandered over and he asked Parker if he could have some. And then he took it. I, I took a bunch of pictures. I think they're on my Instagram, which I shared last night. So if anybody wants to see them, they're pretty funny. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. There you go. That's uh, Kirk. Kirk, do you have anything else that you want to get off your chest from the game last night? I don't. I don't. I'm just going to encourage everybody to keep watching because Luke and Dirk are fun, but uh, try not to read too much into any of the games. And look for Rick Carlisle's smile because that's really fun. It's like a parlor game. <laughs> Barely ever happens. Yeah, I, <laughs> I talked about uh, yesterday that maybe the rest of the season Rick could tell the team just to have some fun, but uh, then I realized that Rick and fun <laughs> doesn't really go together. Somebody tweeted me that today, and they are right. No. Yep, yep. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Uh, Kirk, Kirk series face. You guys are probably all following him, but if you're not go follow him on Twitter, Instagram, and, uh, go read his stuff on mavsmoneyball.com. Have a good one guys. Peace out. Boom. Boom.